Welcome everybody to the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. My name is Abraham DeWeese and with me today once again is my co-host and the main star of today's show, Brian the Soul Man Select. But wait, there's an even bigger star looming (laughs) and he's shooting through our little solar system and this would be Mitch Levy. Welcome to the show, Mitch. Brian, the soul man, you're going to have to explain that to me <laughs> before we start, please. Um, long long story short, because we're out of time constraint, but um, my, my older brother who subscribes to your podcast, he was called the soul man in high school. My, my last name is Solak. And when I started in high school, they I was called soul man junior. And then once my brother left, I was the, the next soul man, and it, it's ah. clicked ever since. Now, you say that your brother subscribes to our podcast. Yep. Typically, you would say that you subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> he said it's- soul man. He said soul man, <laughs> soul man subscribes to the podcast. Soul man. So so you, Brian, don't subscribe to the podcast. I, so- you are next on my podcast list. <laughs> I just oh, really? started. Okay. So, so okay, we got that straight. <laughs> Abraham, do you subscribe to the podcast. I only just learned of your podcast and that's why we have you on this show. So I've to- agreed to be on a show yeah. here yeah. with two guys that have absolutely no idea what I do. Ah. I, we, but we do know what you do. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's with this? Okay. What is with this? Have you subscribed to our podcast on Podbean, I Spotify, I and iTunes? I haven't asked you guys on our show yet. <laughs> if I asked you guys on our show, I would be very aware. <laughs> okay. Actually, All no. Right. We, uh, we start on a very tenuous note here. Well. You guys are going to, we're going to chat. We're going to have a three-way chat with two guys who not even are subscribers to a free pride podcast. I'm, okay. Well, hey, I'm Got subscribed. It. I'm subscribed to Tom Wassel's podcast. I see. So and that's I where. have Tom Wassel on. That's what we have. We have. Have. we have I'm actually su- i'm subscribed to jason churchill's podcast great great that really does a lot for us thank you very much <laughs> all right that's it i'm subscribing okay. to your podcast right yes, now that'd be nice that once i get nice. off the yes. show we'll be subscribing this okay, is the most aggressive nice. start to a show we've ever had well i mean i just want to i just want to lay the rules and the laws down on the table here i would i would have i would have hoped that i'd have two listeners on our uh, on our show here today. uh but we are two listeners of yours because we're actually big fans from you way back in the day, oh, back okay. in the, back in the, uh, back in the day, you were Mitch in the morning on but KJR. We've done, we've done Abraham. Now we've done three years of podcasts. We've done yeah. over 300 podcasts and you haven't heard one of them. I saw you on Tom Wassel's show. <laughs> you saw me on Tom Wassel's show. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I, I, I understand. I get it. I'm, I'm, I'm a little sensey poo here, but okay. I'll get it. Maybe by the end of this show, we'll have convinced you to maybe try my, Mitch Unfiltered. Maybe my, just try it one time. We, one time. We, uh, you know, for our audience out there, what, what is that podcast uh, site? It's called Mitch Unfiltered. And you can get it wherever podcasts are found. Just type in Mitch Unfiltered. You can go to MitchUnfiltered.com. You can go to your Apple podcast. Where, wherever you listen to Tom Wassel, <laughs> you can listen to Mitch Unfiltered. I promise you. Awesome. Now, seriously, on another note, welcome to our podcast. We, we do appreciate you joining us tonight. <laughs> Thank um, you for having me. You Can I say you're a staple of, of sports radio for this state of Washington? I mean... You're one of the best we've ever listened to over the years. I mean, I think you're where were you at KJR for 23 years? I mean, I was. I, I, was, I, yes. I, I, I worked in the restaurant business for like 20 years before I got my new job as a supervisor for a towing company. Yeah. We could talk about that another time, but the staple was go get my coffee, turn on Mitch in the morning, every freaking morning. And 
listen to you as long as I could. I mean, you're amazing. How did, how, how did you be, how did you get this job? What brought you to Seattle? What brought me to Seattle originally? That would have been uh, 1990. Well, my audition was in 1994. The fabulous sports babe had uh, been the midday host on KJR for several years, and she left to go do a national gig for ESPN, and they were looking for somebody to uh, fill her spot in the middays on KJR back in 94, the end of 94, 95. And they had a bunch of guys come through uh, and audition. I was one of them. And somehow, some way, it was a, it's, it's a long story how I ended up at KJR. And it took a lot of different weird twists and turns. But the, sh- the short-ish uh, story is that the guy that they brought in that they really liked to be the midday replacement for the sports babe was a na- guy named Peter Brown. And he came in. And he did a a couple of great shows in his audition, I think from Chicago. And he was just knocking them dead. And this is who they wanted. And it was all going to be great. And at the very end of his like second day of his audition, he did this spiel on the midday show on KJR about how whose crazy idea was it to put the Sonics home games on pay-per-view. And he he proceeded to skewer the person in charge of putting the Sonics on pay-per-view. The only problem with that was Barry Ackerley, the owner of the Sonics, was also the owner of KJR. And that didn't go over so swell in the, in the Ackerley. And he had the radio on, and they were making plans at KJR to sign this guy, Peter King, when he completely embarrassed Barry Ackerley. And Ackerley picked up the phone and called the program director, and the program director picked up the phone and said, and hello, and Ackerley said, he's not our guy. And he hung up the phone. And that was the end of Peter Brown. And that was the beginning of Mitch Levy. So the only reason I was here was because Peter Brown skewered the Sonics owner for putting the Sonics home games on pay-per-view in 1994, 1995. There you go. That's awesome. Well, you got to thank Peter Brown for that, Abraham, after the show. I have. I have thanked Peter Brown many, many times. Now, Peter <laughs> Brown, I'll have both of you know, is a subscriber Okay. of Mitch Unfiltered. And so he's aware that we've been doing this show for the last three years. And so <laughs> I, I guys want you to know that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Well, it sounds like uh, Barry Ackerley was a little sensey poo too about. Uh, well, well, <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I'm uh, so. So, sorry, Brian. I just want to, br- I want to bring that up because I see the supersonics sticker in the background on yeah. your chalkboard there or on your corkboard. Yeah. Um, there, that must, uh, that must have been a, a pretty interesting way to come in is based off of some sort of announcement. You cannot talk about the subject in a poor light um, uh, because we'll fire the guy who, you know, says anything bad about the supersonics. Uh, how did you manage, how did you manage navigating those waters? Because I know that you kind of spoke your mind a lot and that, that, that's what we always appreciate about you is you, yeah, you gave I your think, opinion. I, th- I think, I think Barry, may he rest in peace and ginger. Um, I think that, um, I think there was a difference between questioning the, the business and the business decisions and the revenue decisions. I think there was a difference, a fundamental difference between what Peter Brown did and maybe us questioning, you know, Gary Payton's decision or get, get Sean Kemp. Why did he miss those free? I, I think, I think there was a line 
maybe a line that you, the three of us might not agree to, but a line that, that in, in the Ackerley's world, they crossed. I think when you become an owner of a team, I think you understand for the most part, what comes with the territory. And I, look, I worked there for 23 years. Now, I, you know, only the first section, only the first group of years did the owner of the Sonics and the owner of the station were they partners. Once Howard Schultz came in and there was no there was no uh, relationship, although, you know, you could actually you can, you can talk about it from the standpoint of of uh, rights holders as well. You don't just have to be the owner. The owner doesn't have to be a partner. It could be it could be rights holders as well. And that that's a that's an issue that 710 has had for years with the Seahawks and the Mariners, you know, what can you say? How, how, how rambunctious can you be in your criticisms without hearing from your partner? You know, you're in bed with them and you're playing the, you know, you're, you're airing their games on your radio. So, so there's that, but I never, honest to God, I I don't remember one time anybody uh, questioning anything that I said. I, I can recall, Wally Walker, when he was the president, calling me up and, hey, can we meet? Can we have lunch? I want to talk. I want to educate you about this. I heard you talk about that. And Wally and I, to this day, are, are, are famous friends. We're really great friends. And we play golf together and we travel together. And I love Wally. Um, but I don't ever recall Ackerley or anybody from the Sonics organization giving me a hard time. I don't remember anybody from the when we had the University of Washington rights when I was there, KJR. They've since come back to KJR now, the Husky football and basketball games. I don't ever recall the University of Washington or Scott Woodward, the, the, the then um, athletic director. Uh, Jen wasn't there yet when I was there. I don't remember anybody giving us a hard time or giving me a hard time anyway about what we now. The Seahawks, interesting enough, the Seahawks, who we never had on our station and we were never partners with, they would get their nose out of joint a little bit. The Mariners, who we were never partners with, <laughs> and, and they would get the and the way they would exact some sort of revenge is they would say, hey, look, these guys call us and they ask us for guests. They want Russell Wilson on their show. They want Sean Alexander on their show. They want, you know, this guy or that guy. They want our coaches on their show yet they're killing us. Maybe we won't get those guys and put them on. I mean, that was the way that was the discomfort. If there was any discomfort that would, would happen, but we were at KJR. We were really never the flagship station of the biggies except for the Sonics. And, um, and there was no problem in those days. Okay. D- didn't you and your team at KJR save the Mariners in 1995? Oh no, I, <laughs> no, I, I we tried, that. we helped. And uh, maybe we helped, maybe we didn't, but we, you know, I think the, I think the Mariners in 1995 and that stretch run in 1995 to make the first playoff and come from way behind and win the AL West. And, and I think that's what saved the Mariners more than anything else. There was nothing anybody could have done, including us, including me, that would have saved the Mariners had that run not happened, had they been the typical 25 games under 500 Mariners in 1995. The Mariners would not be here. There'd be no new stadium. There would have never been a new stadium, and they would have left. So, yeah, I think we had a small part of it, but really at the end of the day, what saved the Mariners was that run to the finish line in 1995. And I, and I, you know, as you, as you bring up the Sonics, the Sonics were a very sensitive thing for me because I was here for 23 years, and you'd like to think that – or. I've been here for almost 30, but I was on KJR for 23 years. And you'd like to think that when you're the host of the morning show, which is kind of the 
prestigious day part of a sports radio station or any radio station, you know, if a major professional franchise leaves your town while you are the, while you're on the radio, you, you feel, uh, you know, I don't know that I, that it was my responsibility to hold them here, but you feel like, you know, what kind of sports town are we? What kind of sports station are we? What kind of morning show was I, if we couldn't do enough to rally whomever politicians, commissioners, fans to, to do the right thing and keep the, so that's, that's really, if you say, what's the worst part of, of your years here, I would say the way it ended. And I would say losing the Sonics uh, when we did while I was a morning show. Right. And one thing that I really liked about your show is, uh, and the one that I, that I'm subscribing to now, this new one, that's, that's great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you liked it so much for 23 years that for three years you haven't, you haven't checked out the new show. Go ahead. I was just about to give you a compliment. I was going to tell so you that you, all right, really, I'm going to, really I'm going to give you the compliment regardless. You, okay. ex, you expertly managed to be a fan, <laughs> uh, representative of, of actual journalism and, mm-hmm. and yeah, no, I mean, you did, you did. And, you know, and entertaining as well. Those are three things. Those are three things I think that are very hard to marry in, you know, most entertainment fields. And I thought you did. And it's, it, are there any, it's, how did you learn how to do that? Put that all together. I'd like to say that I learned how to do it, Abraham, but I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I was myself, you know, I am at heart a fan. Um, I, I think it's just really who the person is genuinely who the person is you're dealing you're, when you talk to me, I'm, I'm a, you know, in those days, I'm a 35, 40 year old, 30 year old, 25 year old guy, huge rabbit sports fan, loves the local teams. So that's in me. I'm the son of a lawyer. Um, I'd like to think that I know how to ask questions and I know how to go after the journalism part would probably be the son of a lawyer thing. And my father always taught me how to, to dive in and try to get information and try to get things out of people. So I think that's a part of me. And then hopefully to some people, I'm funny and I'm entertaining. And so I I don't know that I learned how to do it. I just think that I brought three attributes, sports fan, son of a lawyer, uh, funny guy, and, and just blab. You know, I did those things in front of a microphone and people, it resonated with certain, look, there were a lot of people, a lot of people that didn't like, the morning show. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. And those people that didn't like the morning show, they subscribed to the new to the <laughs> new show over the last three years. It's, it's the two guys here that love the morning show that haven't subscribed. So I just want to point that um, <laughs> I, I know you have thir- over thirty nine thousand followers on Twitter. How, how many people subscribe to your podcast? Plus or minus? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know those numbers. Um, okay. Remember, we well. I got to start from the beginning. We, you, when you say subscribers, uh, that could mean a couple of different things. First of all, on podcasts, as you guys know, when you listen to a podcast, you hit subscribe, and that podcast is then delivered to you each and every time it's a new episode comes out. We do one a week, uh, one a week for the masses. So for those people that subscribe, unlike you guys. Uh, for those people that subscribe, you get uh, you get one Monday show, which could be anywhere from two to three hours, three guests, lots of fun, kind of like the morning show, well-produced, opens, everything that the morning show used to be. Then, for those that think that that's not enough, as if two and a half hours of me 
once a week isn't enough. We, we supply those other people with more content. We actually do during football season, five more smaller shows per week. And that is uh, that's based on subscription. That's a, that's a $5 a month subscription. We call them patrons. It's run through the Patreon website. And so there's two types of what I'm trying to say is you keep asking me subscribers, subscribers, and I don't really know the numbers. I, I try not to pay attention to all that. I try to do what I do, but we've got subscribers, the masses to the Monday free show, which doesn't cost anything. And then we've got subscribers that pay $5 a month to get the extra programming, if that makes sense. Okay. I'll tell you what, Brian, New York, Vinny, and Tom Wassel did not uh, sell this much on there. No, they didn't. When they, when they came on our show. Oh, but I, I am signing up now. <laughs> yeah, I got my credit card ready for after we get off. I promise. Okay. <laughs> well, Tom Wassel did have to sell because you were already subscriber. Maybe you weren't when he came on. Were you subscribers of Tom Wassel's show before he came on? Yes. Uh, yeah, I watched no. his Twitch. Yeah, I was watching yeah, his Twitch definitely. Twitch, yeah. Yeah. So he didn't have, what did he have to sell you on? Uh, you were already charm. You were already, he, you were he's right just, there. He just he's yeah, just I, got I, it all, man. I, I have I, to sell you. <laughs> I have to perform for you to see if I can subscribe button. You've had many great stories over the years. You cared to share a couple favorite moments when you, you were with KJR with oh. or Sonics or whomever. <sighs> A favorite moment of KJR. I don't know. I don't know that I have a favorite moment of KJR to be, to be completely honest. I have a lot of stories that they're, they're just kind of running and they bang into one another in my head. Like we all do. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I have a favorite story uh, at KJR. I just know that I had 23 incredible years there, 22 of them in the morning. As I said, I started as the midday host. Yeah. Um, I think, I think the most, probably the most important for those people who liked me, I think the most important story that I could tell you is that when I came from, from my audition in mid December, 1994, I had agreed, I was working in Washington DC at the time. And they asked me to come out and do an audition after Peter Brown, fiasco mm -hmm. they they all rolled their eyes like oh my god our guy we lost our guy we got to go find somebody else so they had me come in in mid-december 95 94 and they wanted me to come in and, and do two shows and they were midday shows and the guy that was hosting the midday on an interim basis although he thought it was he thought it was on a permanent basis who ends up being one of my my dear friends brian wheeler we called him okay. wheels yeah um he was going to be on vacation so we're not going to tell wheels like Okay, like what happens if he turns on the radio? But we're not going to tell Wheels. He's going to go on vacation on a Thursday and Friday in December 1994. Mitch is going to come in. I'm going to come in and do it. They put me up. Let me tell you where they put me up. They brought me in from Washington, D.C., and they put me up in, uh, in South Center in SeaTac at the Doubletree. Okay. And uh, I thought that was downtown Seattle. What do, what do I know? And I'm like, this is this is this is terrible. I mean, where am I? <laughs> then I go into the studio, and they put me in the studio, the first studio that I was in when we when we first started. When I first started, you faced away from the producer. The producer was behind you. I can't tell you guys how bad I thought it was. I mean, those three hours, twelve to three, were the worst. And I had to do enough. I just want. It was raining. It was dark when I got. It was like dark at noon. And I'm like, what the hell? Just get me out. I'm not, there's no way I'm doing this. Get me out of here. So I decided after the first, after the very first audition day, 
is that I wasn't going to do Friday, even though I had committed to doing Friday because I'm not interested in this job anymore. There's no way they're interested in me. I flopped. I don't want to be here. I just want, and I was actually coming from Washington, DC. I was flying. It was mid December. I was flying home to Florida to spend Florida, to spend the holidays, two weeks of holidays with my family. And I was Mm -hmm. flying into Miami and my mom and dad were picking me up in Miami and driving me two hours to our home, which is uh, just, just North of Miami. And so I called from the Doubletree Hotel and I said, dad, mom, and they put me on the speaker. And I said, mom, dad, instead of coming on Saturday morning on the, on the red eye, I'm going to come one night earlier. I'm going to come tomorrow morning. And I literally wasn't, I just wasn't going to do the Friday show. I just going to cancel. I wasn't going to do the Friday show. And my father said to me on the, uh, on the speaker phone, he said, who's picking you up tomorrow? And I said, um, well, aren't you guys picking me up? And he said, we're not picking you up. <laughs> Nobody from this family is picking up a guy who made a commitment to a radio station in Seattle for two days and is too much of a wuss to stay there for the, for the, oh. to fulfill his commitment. So you know what you can do? You can walk home. That's awesome. You can hitchhike. That's great. Figure out a way to come to two hours, but we're not picking you up. And he, and he hung up the phone. Okay. I was like, okay, okay. All right, guilt, you got me. And I went ahead and I did the next day's show. And I, I think I was a little bit better, but I still was convinced I wasn't coming here and, and I'm, they're not picking me. And then I went home on the t- flight I was supposed to go on. And the, my agent called me a couple of days later. They want you in Seattle. And I was like, oh, come on. They don't want me in Seattle. I don't want Seattle and they don't want me. And uh, yeah. And then I ended up taking the I ended up taking the job. But the only reason I was here is because my father refused to pick me up at the airport on December 15th, 1994. So I am. There's the story. I am so happy to hear that story, because one of the best things about your show uh, were your stories about you and your dad going to the uh, Syracuse University basketball games, especially during final four season. Um, And that was a tradition, if I remember right, that was tradition for quite a while. Yeah, 19, uh, I was going to school in the late 80s at Syracuse. It was 1989. Did they have the Final Four here in 1989? I think they may have. Yes, yeah, in the Kingdom, yep. So 1989, the Syracuse team um, made it to the Sweet 16, and they were playing in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and I was a senior at Syracuse University. And my father was a huge fan, even though he didn't go to Syracuse. He was an Ivy League guy, but he just because I was there, he just became this incredible Syracuse fan down in Florida. And I was in the athletic director at the time, Jay Crowdhamel's office in Syracuse in 1989. Syracuse had just won the first two games in the tournament and they were going to Minneapolis for Sweet 16. And uh, the athletic director liked me. He didn't like anybody. He liked me. And he said, hey, Mitch, here, and he slid across the, the table. Here's a couple of t- here's a couple of three, four books of tickets for the Sweet 16. If you can get to Minneapolis, these are great seats. Here, they're yours. And I was like, oh, my God. All right. Am I going to Minneapolis? So I called my father, and I said to him, Dad, how would you like to go this week on Thursday to Minneapolis to see the sweet 16. The only way I was getting there, if he played for paid for my flight. So the only way that I was going to get there was him to agree to, to come see me. That's why I figured this was my grand plan. I get him to pay for the flight. And his words to me on that same speakerphone were why the F 
would I want to go to Minneapolis, Minnesota, <laughs> March of 1989? <laughs> and I said, good point. But the answer would be to see your son and see good basketball. He said, okay. So I kind of guilted him. Nice. So he gets on the plane from Florida. I get on the plane. From, he buys my ticket. I buy get on the plane. from, And we meet in Minneapolis, 1989. And we have this great, we have this great, great weekend. And um, we have this great, great weekend. And they beat. Missouri in the Sweet 16, and then they played that Illinois team that came to the Final Four in the Elite Eight in Minneapolis on that Sunday, Kendall Kendall Gill and Kenny Battle and that yeah. whole Illinois team. And it was a fabulous game in the Elite Eight, but we lost by like two or three points late in the game, whatever. Illinois comes. We're going back to the airport. This is 89, and he's getting on a flight to go back to West Palm Beach. I'm getting on a flight to go back to Syracuse. And he looks at me and he gives me a big hug. And he said, you know that? And we, we froze our asses off. He said, you know, that was really fun. Let's do that again next year. Nice. And that was 1989 mm. for the next 25 consecutive years. It was in my contract at both places in D.C., then in Seattle. For 25 years from that moment in 89, we never missed a Big East tournament game together. And we never missed an NCAA tournament together. It was tradition that started in 89 and we went all the way for 25 years. The truth of the matter is we only missed one game together in those 25 years. And if you'd like to know the story about that, please, you'll have to subscribe to me. Okay. Fair enough. this This is actually interesting and it ties everything together. The one game that we didn't go to together in those 25 years was in 19, I guess my years are so, uh, I'm going to say 1996, Syracuse made it to the final four, believe it or not, in 1996. The, the game was being played in the, in the, um, in the arena that the New Jersey, in the Meadowlands, in East Rutherford. In fact, it was the last Final Four ever played in a regular basketball facility. Okay. Okay. Since then, they've all been domes. You know, football field, 60,000, 70,000. The last one, the last Final Four that was ever played in a regular basketball facility was that one in 96. Oh, is that where the the Nets were? Yeah, it's where the Nets were. Okay, gotcha. The New Jersey Devils and whatever. Okay. Mm -hmm. So they make it in. So this is crazy. They make it in. They make it in April of 96 to the final four. They were an underdog that year. Cinderella. They made it. They outperformed. And I had a commitment. I, in that year, was doing the pay per view broadcast to bring it all together. I was doing TV for the Sonics with Kevin Calabro (laughs) and Marcus Johnson. We were the three that did the Sonics on TV. I did them pregame and the halftime and the postgame and the sideline reporting and whatever. And so I, the radio station, I had a deal in my contract. Mitch never misses anything. This is, no, this is non-negotiable. Mitch, as long as his father's alive and able to, he goes and he sees, he's, he spends the time with his father for these games. But I had, I had nothing in my Sonics deal that let me out and they happen to have had a game. So they have a game on the Saturday night of the national semifinal. 
So the, the Syracuse is in the national semifinal on Saturday <laughs> night. The Sonics have a pay-per-view game. And I go up to the president of the Sonics at the time, a guy by the name of John Dracel. And I said to him, John, I'm so sorry. I, I can't do Saturday night. Syracuse made it to the tournament, made it to the final four. I'm going to New Jersey. I have a ticket. I'm like, I, I can't do, can you get somebody to, you'll get somebody to replace me on the pay-per-view. And he looked at me stone cold and he said, mm. you go, that's fine. It'll be the last time you're ever on Sonic's television. Wow. Oh. And I said, are you, are you serious? <laughs> he said, you made a commitment to me. I need you on the TV. You can't go to the game with your dad. So I said, oh, boy, are you going to call my dad? Because I, I don't want to break that news to him. He said, yeah, that's what you got to do. So I called my dad and I said, Dad, you're not going to believe this. I can't go. He said, you can't go. I said, yeah, I'm on TV. I can't go. I got to do a Sonics game. He said, "Ah, oh, that sucks. He says, uh, if they win on Saturday night, you'll come and we'll meet for just the championship game on Monday night in New Jersey. I said, yeah, they may or may not win. As it turns out, they did win, and they went to the championship game and lost to Kentucky, the Patino-Tucky Kentucky team with all those okay. first-round draft choices. But I had to get back at John Dresel. And you know, Mitch, I'm not going down without a fight. <laughs> <laughs> so Saturday night, Final Four, they play the game Saturday afternoon. Syracuse is the first game in the Final Four. Watch it on TV. They win. They're going to the championship game. Now I'm, on, I'm at the key arena on the floor for the first cutaway, and Marcus Johnson and Kevin Calabro are doing this thing, and Kevin Calabro says, it's time to go down to the court. Let's get a uh, courtside report from Mitch Levy. Mitch, what's going on down there? And they cut to me, and, I, my, and I'm in my suit, and I've got my face painted completely orange on one side <laughs> and blue on the other with an S on one cheek and a U on the other. <laughs> and Marcus, it was Marcus and Kevin start laughing. They didn't know. Even those guys didn't know. They, they're looking at their monitor and seeing me with this paint on my face. And I'm just do the, and I'm just delivering the script. Hey, in the national, here's the, uh, you might wonder what happened in the national championship semifinals. Well, a, a team from Syracuse defeated, uh, Mississippi <laughs> State, whatever, and I'm doing this thing, and they're laughing, and I'm sure John Dracel was watching. That was like, what, 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 what does he do? What's he doing? He's got, and I just, I just, I deadpan the whole thing, and then I got on a plane, and I was with my father for the national championship game on Monday night. That's the only game in 25 years that we. That's awesome. <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> um. Oh man, that's a great story. I do have to ask: Did you ever meet? Like Dave Niehaus, and if so, you mind telling us a little bit what what kind of person he was? Oh yeah, I uh, I wouldn't say that I was friendly with Dave Niehaus, but he was on the show from time to time, and uh, I'd see him at the ballpark from time to time. He was a a lovely man, as everybody would know. But I'm probably the wrong person to ask to to ask what what kind of a guy he was because I only know him knew him very professionally and very okay just to say hello, but but loved him. Loved his passion, loved his uh, his voice. It was different, and and you know you get into these these stretch runs now, and you haven't had one in so many years, and it's hard, isn't it? It's hard twenty years later or whatever, how many years later to even get excited about these things without thinking of him, right? Yeah. It's just you yeah. know the other guys yeah. that are on there now, they do a great job. Okay. Um, all the guys do a great job, but, but you just have, you just have his image kind of, Oh, every, every Mariner fan that's of age 
has, you know, the image of Dave Niehaus kind of floating, don't you? Yeah. Floating well, in above fact, you yeah. as you watch all these games. In fact, as yeah. the as the other talking heads are talking, I'm actually hearing Niehaus's voice. Really? And, and like still to this day, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, <clears throat> you almost feel like he's got a a hand in all of this. I hope somehow, so. <laughs> somewhere. Yeah, love love Dave Niehaus. Absolutely. Dave Niehaus. Yeah. Mitch, one of the things I really enjoyed is the way that you interview people, you have a way of, uh, helping out guests who aren't necessarily strong guests. Mm. And it's the way you structure your questions as a narrative rather than as a, uh, you know, how'd you do, you know, instead of a, just a brief interrogative, it's a, you kind of help guide them when they're uh, visible, not visibly, but audibly, uh, not attuned to being, or not used to being on the radio. I, did you learn that somewhere or is that no, no, it's another no, inherent, I wish uh, I had some good answers. <laughs> Damn. Um, no, just no, something, it's just something that no. I noticed that you do that some other people don't do. And well, if you, you know, I, I, I would like to think that everybody does it in some little way. I mean, look, we're all human and mm-hmm. there are times that you're interviewing somebody who's noticeably nervous or uncomfortable. And really, it's not a broadcasting thing. It's more of a human thing that comes out where you want to, you know, help them through it. Um, mm-hmm. At the same time, you know, you're trying to get information and you're trying to provide something to your audience. And I think you've got to go into the interview and you have to have a game plan. I have a, you know, we, we do, as I said, we do, uh, you guys don't, don't know this, but we do, uh, we do three, um, three or four interviews every show, every Monday show. Uh, we have New Heisel, and we a regular basis we have New Heisel and Peter King. We just signed Danny O'Neill and Slickhawk and all, all these guys, and and then we have a lot of human interest story. We actually veer outside of sports a lot on the podcast, which I always wanted to do on the radio show. So we have human interest story. So we got tons of tons and tons of great guests are on, and you go into every guest with a, with a strategy. I mean, I don't think you can wing it. A lot of guys that you listen to on radio or you watch on, they're winging it. And maybe they're good at winging it. I, I don't know. I'm, I was never good at I needed to be prepared. And um, so I always had a game plan. What, what is it that we're trying? Are we trying to laugh with this guy for the, for the audience? This guy's supposed to be funny. Is this guy controversial? Am I trying to get some information out of him? Um, and how am I going about doing that? Am I coming right out of the gate with a zinger and making them uncomfortable? Or am I warming them up and making them feel comfortable? And then I'm getting the information different way. I mean, you just uh, n- not not too much different than a lawyer goes into a courtroom with a defendant uh, that he's questioning. I, I think you have to have a game plan as to how to get get out of the guest what you think the audience wants from that guest. That's okay. All. Yeah. Uh, someone told me that you prefer audio over visual, like being on TV. Is that true? And if so, why? Uh, yes, that's true. Um, okay. I I just I I do not like the way I look. I don't like my face on TV. I give my, my family here a big problem with pictures. Um, and, uh, it's a, it's a, it's, it's, it's a sad thing. My wife always says to me, God, someday they're going to look through albums. are going to say, did you have a dad? I mean, where, where, where is he? I'm the guy always taking the, I, I never, I never, I just don't like being in pictures. I don't, I'm uncomfortable with screens. I'm doing a lot more with the podcast. We're now releasing video portions of the podcast. Um, Okay. To help promote it. Uh, and uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm much more of an audio guy than I am a video guy. 
Yeah, okay. it's, it's, a, it's a vanity thing. It's a vain thing. It sounds like you're prone to paint in your face, though, when you go on TV. So maybe that's... Say again? Uh, it sounds like you're prone to paint in your face when you go on TV. So if if, a, if a, a supervisor doesn't let me go to the NCAA tournament, yeah, I'm, I'm, willing, to, <laughs> I'm willing to do that. Yeah. That's uh, for what it's worth, we prefer audio, too, just pretty much for the same reasons you just said. We don't. So is this going to be just an audio? It's podcast? just audio, yeah. yeah. Is this going to be... Uh, is anybody going to see my lovely face here? No. Nope. <laughs> no. Nope. They can subscribe to your podcast and see those video uh, video only sections. Yeah, it's called MitchUnfiltered.com. <laughs> we debuted in November of 2018. So we're coming up on three years. We've done probably 350 shows. So come nice. aboard and give us give us a test. Give us a test run. Okay, Abraham? Give I, us a test run. I subscribed. Just Okay, th- yes. there you go. That's all it took is a click of the button. Now we got to work on Brian. <laughs> I promise once the show's over, I promise. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> More importantly, listen to a show and, and send me a note as to whether you like it or you don't like it or what you think it needs. I love to hear what needs improvement and so forth. I'd love to hear from you guys. I listened to the one from you, you posted on Monday, uh, Brady Henderson's feedback about the Seahawks. I think that guy's amazing. Oh, so you did hear the podcast. I did hear that one. Yes. Oh, beautiful. Oh, yes, great. I'm. I'm great. trying. I'm making the effort. Oh, beautiful! <laughs> I didn't even know that you could listen without subscribing. Maybe you can listen without. Subscribing. You actually yeah. can. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so you guys have been listeners all this time. You just haven't subscribed. I got it. Okay. <laughs> um, John Clayton, have you had him on on your podcast, or is that I more have not? Of a, John okay. and I have never have never gotten along great. Okay. Oh. Um, something happened, and I'm not sure what it was. A long time ago, when I first came to town, John never took a, a liking like and it it's a long line it's a it's a long long line so john's not at the head he's in somewhere in the middle of the line but no i have not had john on the uh, he's probably the only one of the only ones and don't forget anybody who is associated with either 710 or 950 has been told although they probably wouldn't admit it have been told mm, we don't want oh. you going on mitch's show they, they those two stations for whatever reason find my podcast as to be competition and they don't want their people on our show but when when uh danny was released of his morning show danny o'neill of the seattle times was released of his morning show obligations on 710 he uh he and i did a deal so he's on weekly now that's cool um and so we have a lot of we have a lot of those guys on. we had uh jim moore when he was released and so we've had him on and um as i said matt mickless slickhawk who was my producer back in the kjr days and had a, a major role on that radio station he was released so now he's on our show on a weekly basis so you know we're kind of like the um what do they say a designate we're the designated for assignment <laughs> you baseball guy right? us aqua Sox guys yes yep, yep. We, we understand yes. all of our sh- all of our show people have been designated for assignment that's that's i don't know i mean this is new media podcast new media and you know you look at some of these some of these guys like joe rogan and whatnot they're more famous than anybody on television or in radio so you know mm-hmm. you know it's perspective I, I i consider you graduated out of radio um, i like to call this retirement podcast <laughs> is is kind of where where the um the the radio horses go to graze well let's talk about podcast. this let's talk about this then because sure. you mentioned this earlier you're actually getting the opportunity to do things that you were constrained by in the radio format so this again it's growth it's growth yeah mm-hmm. 
Well, it's an actually, a, it's a funny story. They're, they're all kind of funny stories. When I was doing radio, if you guys listen to the radio show, you probably mm-hmm. know this. Maybe you don't know this. But I was always the anti-podcast guy. And people got a kick out of that. Actually, people were pissed off because, <laughs> and, and we, we need to go back. I wasn't yeah. anti-podcast. What I was was anti-taking our show, recording it, and letting anybody listen to it at any time of the day because we were being judged in those days by radio ratings. Oh, okay. Who was mm. listening to the product live as it was happening? We were given bonuses based on radio ratings. We were charging um, uh, revenue ra- well, rates on advertising based on ratings. And I was always a dinosaur, and I still am saying, okay, if, if, if we're being judged on ratings here, I don't want to give somebody the opportunity to not listen and listen to the show at their convenience because that's going to hurt us. And everybody, no, Mitch, you don't understand. Okay, so Mitch was anti-podcast from that standpoint. But now Mitch has a podcast. People get a big thing. (laughs) Oh, now Mitch has a podcast, Mr. Anti-Podcast. But the truth of the matter is I was only anti-podcast because of what I just explained. The, The fact that we were being judged by who was listening to the radio at a certain time. And now you're saying to everybody, you don't have to listen between six and 10 when Mitch is on listen at six o'clock at night. But of course, Mitch won't get credit. No one's going to get credit for that. They're just mm. going to go. Okay. So now I do the podcast and everybody thinks that's a big joke. And I'm Hey, look, if you can laugh at me, look at me, you can laugh. That's fine. I want you to laugh. Um, but the thing, there's some things about the podcast that you're, I think getting to Abraham that uh, are really, really, super nice features uh, that that were not the case. I'll give you a prime example. We were just talking about it on a recent podcast, and I just was tweeting about it. Mondays during football season, I'm on the air from 6 to 10 on the morning show on KJR. Four hours. If the Seahawks would have lost to the Vikings or the Titans, on Monday from 6 to 10, my marching orders, frankly, it are – you got to do Seahawks talk and then you got to do it again. And then you got to do it again because people are coming into your show at six o'clock and driving to work. And then some new audience is coming in at six 45 and driving to work. And then somebody's coming in at eight o'clock and you got to be, you got to, you just got to play the hits, you know, like an FM station, play the hits. So you got to do Seahawks. You got to do your shtick over and over and over again to make sure that it's exposed to everybody. That's, you know, that's coming in for that's what they want. Well, how would you like it, Abraham, if you had to go on for four hours every single Monday morning and do the same 45 minutes of shtick over and over and keep talking about the same thing? I mean, the Ryder Cup happened on Saturday and Sunday. Other things happened in the world yeah. of sports. Funny things happen. My partner, Scott, had went, gone to the Puyallup Fair. We want to make people laugh, but you can't do that on a radio station because people are depending on you to give them the Seattle Seahawks sports talk, and they can only listen for 20 minutes at a time on their way to work or 40 minutes or whatever it is. So you got to keep doing the same thing. And I got to tell you guys, by 9.45 or 10 o'clock on a Monday morning, I was just kept me out. I can't, <laughs> don't, don't, don't even say the word Seahawks. I didn't want to hear them anymore. Well, now I do a podcast. So now Mondays, I think was three hours, two hours and 45 minutes. Okay. That we did over the weekend. Yeah. Did we do 30 intense minutes on the Seahawks on, on episode 160 this past week? Brian, Brian will tell you he he heard <laughs> we didn't. did we did Brady Henderson we did Joe Fan 
Um, we, I gave my thoughts. We, we, we went hard at the Seahawks and at Pete Carroll and at the defense and at the corners. Yeah, we did a good 30 or 45 minutes, but we did a two and a half hour show. We did a, a, a ton of other stuff. Yeah. We, we, we did funny stuff. We did Ryder cup stuff. We did Mariner stuff. We did university of Washington. We did, we did, a, we did two hours of other stuff because I know that, Hey, the people that want the Seahawks stuff are going to get it. I don't have to worry about them being in their cars and missing it because it's on yeah. podcast. They can see it here, but it allows me to do all this other stuff. And the other thing is we used to have people, I don't know how many Seahawks fans that would say, Mitch, I love you. When I was on the radio, Mitch, I love you. I love your show. I love you guys. I just can't listen after they lose. I'm, I'm down about it. And yeah. I just, I want to be, I want to hear other stuff. I want to do other things. So I'm going to skip you on Monday. Well, those people are satisfied with the podcast because yeah, we go hard at the Seahawks for 45 minutes, but certainly we do a lot of other things on every show to give a little bit of a variety to it. So I love that. And there's other things about the podcast, uh, just the nature of a podcast that I like better than, um, uh, than uh, radio. I'll give you another example. These are these are simple, silly examples, but this is true. Um, you know, when you're a radio host and an executive producer of a radio show, you're trying to figure out what do listeners want, right? What do listeners want to hear? Not mm -hmm. what do you want to do? What do listeners want to hear? Because if a listener gets in their car and they turn Mitch in the morning on at 7.15 and he's doing a topic <clears throat> that he thinks is fun, but I don't think it's fun. What is that listener going to do? Change the channel. Going to flip you off. Yeah. Uh, well, he's not going to flip you off. <laughs> he might do that too. So, okay. But here's the, and, and that always bothered me, but here's the podcast. The guy turns on the same podcast, the three hour podcast on Mondays, Mitch, Mitch unfiltered. And he hears a topic he's not interested in. What's he going to do? Skip ahead. Skip mm -hmm. ahead to the next topic. So now I can do, and sorry, I've got my, uh, my dog just literally while we were, I was telling the story, she just brought me with a little ball. So she, <laughs> she was not thrilled with the story. Uh, she thought my delivery was not good. It was the timing was off. Um, but uh, now I don't ever hesitate to do human interest stories and people, people with great stories. We've done a million, we've done nine 11 heroes and, uh, yeah, we had we we did one the other week. I just love the catcher who caught the first ball, uh, the first pitch from President Bush hmm. in 2011 oh, okay. uh, in, in, in 2001 at the World. So you remember the famous yeah. first pitch and President yeah. Bush went on yeah. that mound and they told him his Secret Service, don't you dare. It's not good. So I'm going out on Yankee Stadium in a bulletproof vest. And he put his thumb up to America and he threw that first pitch. We had the Yankee catcher. It was a reserve catcher. It was supposed to be Jorge Posada, but he was out in the bullpen with Roger Clemens, who was taking longer to warm up than normal. So this backup catcher named Todd Green grabbed his glove and caught that pitch and has a great story to tell. It's his, the, the, his rest of his life. He talks about it all the time. You know, it's stories like that I love that I might have been afraid to do on KJR because yeah. if the guy at 715 wants Seahawks and he turns on Mitch talking to the catcher, the second string catcher caught the first pitch. He's going to be pissed and flip it off here. If he doesn't like it, he just skips ahead a couple of minutes and Mitch is off. Mitch and Scott are off to the next subject. I might be talking to new Heisel the next segment or whatever. Right. Yeah. So I can, I can take chances. I can do things that interest me. 
I can try to be funny and look, it's up to the, and if I give them three hours, uh, when I, I get very few complaints, but when I get complaints, I say, Hey, fast forward. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> fast forward. You don't like that. Maybe in 15 minutes, I'll be doing something that you do like. <laughs> Real quick. I like your shtick about the snow Palma casino and your and the football related. I'm, I'm getting killed, Brian. Back, <laughs> uh, what's the background on this? What are you talking oh, about? Oh, we, we, we've been fighting for how many years to get, to be able to wager on sports oh, yeah. in the state of Washington. I mean, the, the, the fact that we couldn't wager until 2021 and, and 70 years from now when we're all gone, they're going to laugh at us. They, they oh, yeah. weren't able to wager in, in Washington in 2020. So we've been fighting for this to be able yep. to go to a local <laughs> casino and make a few. Finally, we get it. And I thought this is the best thing in the world until it wasn't the best thing in the world. Three weeks in and I'm getting hammered. By the, <laughs> I can't pick. A, I can't pick my my nose, for God's sake. Uh, yeah, we're doing uh, we're doing we're having some fun. I'm I'm That's awesome. I'm chronicling the first year of legalized wagering, whether this is a good thing for the Levy family or not such a good thing. But I'm coming back, Brian. Right I'm on. coming back. I love to I'm hear coming that. back. I know we're up against the clock, but I would I'd be reticent to not ask this question in the What does reticent mean? It'd be a bummer if I didn't ask this question. <laughs> um <laughs> Kraken tomorrow night, Brian and I are heading up to Everett to go watch them. Oh, nice. I think this is going to be like sounder level, uh, excitement, maybe more. I just wanted to get your opinion. If, uh, if you think this town is ready to take on, uh, hockey. Well, let's start with the fact that, uh, the tickets sold as fast as they did when they put them on sale on that day. You okay. remember that? I don't remember what it was. Look, I, I am not I am not a hockey guy because I grew up in South Florida without a hockey team. We didn't even know what hockey was. Uh, but I've gradually went to school in upstate New York, became friendly with people from Boston and New York, understand it a little bit more kind of. So I have to I have to say I'm going to I'm going to learn along with the rest of us. I'm not going to be on Mitch Unfiltered, some sort of a hockey expert, um, but I'm just excited because everybody's excited and uh, I hope that they're great. I hope that people love it like they love the Sounders. I don't recall. Can you remind me? Because I'm not a soccer guy either. Can you remind, remind me, Abraham, how did the Sounders do when uh, they first came into existence? Were they, uh, playoffs every year of right, their existence. Right away. Yep. Yeah. That's the one thing that you got. I think, I think the Kraken, from what I'm told, and I don't know, the Kraken are going to be more like the Seahawks expansion team than the Sounders. And the, they're going to be more like the Mariners. So, there's a lot of excitement. Is it okay if they lose for a couple of years? I mean, lose and yeah, lose big. Right. From what I understand, they're not going to be the Vegas Golden. I know the Vegas Golden Knights, you know, shocked the world, came into existence, went right to, but the rules were different and people handled the expansion draft different and there was all kinds of stuff going on, right? From what I'm hearing and reading, this team is not going to win a lot of games. This team is not going to be good right away. So the only thing I wonder is can the exuberance withstand let's say a couple years of, of not very good hockey. I'm sure it can. I hope it can, because I'm really excited. I'm re excited for the arena. I'm excited for the hockey team. And I hope that uh, there's an NBA co-tenant. That'd be there nice. Sometimes. That'd be real nice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for being super generous with your time here. I know yeah. you got a, you got your own show to, uh, to get uh, going here, but uh, we always do something at the end of the show. Uh, it's our tradition and it's called giving up. Uh, Brian, I'll give it over to you. Uh, we like to end on a positive note. We'd like to give a special shout out to 
whomever, like a family member or a sports team or whatever, do you have a special shout out you'd like to give out? Mm. A special shout out that I'd like to give out. Um, I, how about an overall shout out? How about okay. an overall shout out to anybody who's struggling out there? who doesn't feel like they have somebody to talk to. I went through a very, very personal and bad time in my life, and I know what that's like. And um, I, I love the fact that we're all trying to destigmatize mental illness. It's not a weakness. People who feel down or upset or not confident or uh, feeling a less, lack of hope, there's, there, it's, there's nothing wrong with that. And finding somebody to talk to, to me, that's a really, a really good and powerful and brave thing so my, i think my shout out would to be to anybody in your audience who uh who wakes up in the morning and doesn't like what they feel like or doesn't like what they see in the mirror and i would just say to all of you find somebody find somebody there, there's somebody that wants to hear from you and talk about it whether it's a friend or a loved one or a stranger on the side of the road or a therapist find somebody and talk to them. that's awesome Yep, well Brian, said. Brian, you? Uh, thank you, guys. Thank you. Th thank you. Um, quick shout out to my wonderful wife. Thursday nights, normally I'm supposed to cook dinner, but she knew I had a special podcast tonight oh, with you, Mitch. I thought so, tonight, I thought Thursday nights is when you do all the podcasts. No? <laughs> but it's usually later, and since we started oh, earlier. Yeah, I have to do my own thing here. Later. <laughs> sorry. She cooked dinner for us earlier. She, took, she stepped up, and I always went, tell her I love her, and Mitch, thank you again for joining us, and your message means a lot. It, it's applied to me in my life, and joining Seattle Sports Union with Abraham a few years ago has made my life much better. Oh, so that's very nice. What is your wife's name, Brian? Her name is Janine. Janine, is there any chance Janine will hear this or no? Yes. No. She will? She'll, yes. Uh, uh, Janine, um, you don't know me. I'm Mitch. Hey, nice to meet you, Janine. It's nice to, it's nice to meet you. Uh, get him to subscribe, please. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> my my shout-outs to the entire Seattle Sports Union gang will be at the Seattle Kraken tomorrow night in Everett. And, of course, my son's going to be there too, Vincent. And um, uh, shout-out to you, Mitch, in the morning, and now Mitch Unfiltered. Uh, real quickly, real quickly, uh, Vince, is any chance Vincent's going to hear the show? No, absolutely not. He will not. <laughs> okay, well, if Vincent, here's a, Vincent, Mitch, nice to meet you. Could you just do me a quick, quick favor, Vincent? Dad, could you just get him to subscribe? <laughs> <laughs> and where can people subscribe one more time, Mitch? Uh, all wherever they find podcasts. <laughs> Let me know how you feel. How, wherever you find You can go to MitchUnfiltered.com as well. But uh, I enjoyed being on with you guys. I really appreciate the nice words. Appreciate your support over the years with the radio show and having me on your show tonight. That's really, really generous of you. Thank you. I hope you'll have me on again, please. Great. Please definitely will. And uh, definitely. thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Uh, my name is Abraham Deweese. On behalf of Brian the Soul Man Solak and our special guest, Mitch Levy, thank you for joining us. And we'll see you next time here on the Seattle Sports Union Podcast. <laughs>